Welcome to the Airplane Geeks Podcast. This is episode 721 of the show where we talk aviation. I'm Max Flight, and with me is first Rob Mark. He's contributing editor to Business and Commercial Aviation, part of the Aviation Week group. He's also publisher at JetWine.com. Hey, good evening. Uh, before we even start the show, two weeks from now, it's going to be voting time. So everybody that's listening, go out and vote. That's right. Good okay. advice. And, and thank you for having me back. I'm looking forward to talking to Isaac, who, of course, you can't all see him, but he's in an orange pumpkin shirt. Uh, and you ought to see this. But Very festive. We'll save that for later. Also with us is David Vanderhoof, our aviation historian. He's from the American Helicopter Museum. What are we doing here tonight? It's been a while, hasn't it? I mean, it, the, the 20 minutes it took to reset up things, you know, it's kind of... We've been doing this for how long now? And it's like riding a bike, right? At least that's what they say. But looking forward to this evening. Great. Also joining us is Brian Coleman. He's, of course, our former associate producer and co-host, now field contributor. And Brian produces the podcast, The Journey is the Reward. Hey, Max. It's great to be back on the show. Good to have you. We want to get caught up on your uh, your journey. <laughs> the uh, flying adventures. The flying adventures of Brian Coleman. We'll do that in a little bit. But first, our guest this episode Isaac Alexander, who I like to call the Av Geeks Av Geek. He's now a dedicated human editor with Hype Aviation. That's a news aggregator and media intelligence service for the aerospace industry for professionals and enthusiasts. Sounds like our audience. Isaac, welcome back to the Airplane Geeks podcast. An absolute pleasure to get to be back with, with the band and stuff after so long. So uh, happy, happy and just absolutely exciting stuff to be here with everybody. So, uh, yeah, I've been busy, busy, busy and stuff. Uh, as anybody knows that started their own business, uh, you, you know, it's it's always frantic in the first year. And uh, boy, for me and stuff, it's been no uh, no different stuff with that. So uh, just absolute pleasure and stuff again to be here. Well, one of the things we want to uh, talk about and focus on this episode, of course, is the Hype Aviation site. And uh, we want to do that because I think this is something that's really, really relevant for our audience. So, Isaac, maybe you can give us a, a little bit more background, a little more uh, description of uh, what this is all about and how it came to be. Sure. Um, well, uh, you know, this past decade, as you guys know, and stuff, I've, I've run, kind of been on the moniker, uh, running my Twitter account as a kind of a news aggregator under the banner Jet City Star, uh, being that's kind of my uh, name and stuff that I do for freelance aerospace writing and cover aerospace coverage. Um, but I always wanted uh, to you know, develop a website that took all my interests in aviation, defense and space and put it in one location and. Uh, you know, using the tools of like what Google News is, uh, being an ultimate you know aggregator for all news aggregation, uh, but I wanted to be a more a special speciality to just cover aerospace. You know, so last year, uh, I you know I saved up you know got enough money and I was going to learn the Python programming language, uh, because you know, that was the main language and stuff to be able to develop websites that you know develop this type of website that I wanted to do. And then I was looking through my Twitter feed because I tried to clean it out because I want to get rid of bot accounts. And I saw this site called Hype Aviation. I saw this account called Hype Aviation. And I was look, you know, I was already subscribed to it and I don't recall subscribing to it. So lo and behold, I clicked on it and holy cow, it was somebody had already built the site 
that I, I had envisioned. Somebody out of the other, you know, one person out of the 8 billion people on this planet had the same idea that I had. So I immediately contacted this person. Uh, his name is Robin, uh, Robin Koning. And uh, he's a... Uh, He's a German, originally a German citizen, and him and his wife moved over here to the United States and in the late 2000s. Uh, he's been a software developer and stuff for the past 10 years uh, for various Silicon Valley companies. Uh, uh, and then, uh, you know, just by two, two and a half years ago, he set up the business for it, and uh, he was building uh, building this site uh, as a passion project outside of his day job. So I love this guy even more uh, because he's building uh, he's building this thing on his offsite. So uh, I was able to contact him last November, and I told him, you have a business here. I want to join you. I'm in. And so we've partnered up, and uh, we started uh, kind of the soft beta and stuff. Uh, we'll call it beta 1.0. Uh, with me uh, right before uh, right before Christmas of last year, and I've been working with the site, uh, editing the site uh, since then. So uh, basically, Robin is you know was the founder, and he built, uh, he designed and built a program the website, and I'm in charge of all the uh, all the uh, news articles as well as the uh, events calendar uh, on the site. So I'm the um, title and stuff for right now is chief content officer and stuff for the site. So I've been doing that since uh, late December of last year. Fast forward to uh, September, and we launched version 2.0 of the site uh, at uh, Spot LAX uh, on top of the rooftop uh, of the H Hotel and stuff during uh, Dorkfest weekend. Uh, so that that was just, and that was the first time actually that Robin and I met in person uh, uh, that day. So we were able to go through. Uh, Go, go through kind of our visions. You know, it was great to finally meet the person that we you know had been video chatting with since for you know, that I had been video chatting once a week with uh, uh, since uh, November of last year. Sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was just great and stuff to be able to launch the stuff with the site and get people's immediate feedback uh, from from it. Uh, you know, the people who were there uh, for things. So, what about you know? So okay, what is the site then? What is hype aviation and what is it trying? What problem is it trying to solve? Uh, we're going with the, the time perspective. Anybody and stuff has the has the web tools and stuff right now to be able to you know search for uh, information and stuff on the web themselves, either using you know search engines or uh, through their own networking and stuff abilities. Uh, not just social, uh, not just social, uh, you know, uh, you know, internet social media sites and stuff for things, but uh, their own researches that they've done and sources they've dug, dug up. Uh, we view ourselves as being a time saver. Yes, you can go out and look for the news and stuff yourself but we do it for we we do it for you and we were able to categorize uh, a news uh, a news story and stuff uh with all the sources available um i kind of like to say and stuff like the media right now with hype aviation is divided into three th- uh the three categories and stuff for things one is the financial press so you have uh, so you have your financial times your economic times uh American City Business Journals, Reuters, Bloomberg, uh, Wall Street Journal stuff covering you know, covering aerospace. You know, have all their aerospace reporters. And then of course you have the trade press. You have Fly, uh, Flight Global, Avia- uh, Aviation Week, Jane's, Shepherd, uh, Shepherd Media, Australia Aviation, and stuff. So you have your you know dedicated trade press. You know covering aviation, defense, and space, space news, and stuff as well uh, being one. Then you have your mainstream press like USA Today, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, Seattle Times. Uh, for me, uh, real times, 
uh, various radio, TV, uh, NPR, PBS here in the United States or C- CBC in Canada uh, things. So what we do and stuff when it's big story breaks, like, uh, uh, you know, one of the biggest space stories I'll say this year has been the James Webb uh, telescope that was been launched into space and stuff uh, in Christmas of last year. And then in July, when we had the first images come out, we were just jaw dropping. Uh, to say the least and stuff for things. You know, when that came when that came out, we had over close to almost 200 individually different stories from different media across the world when uh, NASA and ESA, uh, European Space Union, released those images uh, from the telescope. So the reader and stuff, you're getting at just a little click and stuff right there. You can have the list of all the coverage globally from one place, easy, easy click to, to be able to stuff to see all the news and stuff in one place, easy to do. You don't need to search it out. It's already there and stuff on the site. Yeah, that's a, an interesting aspect of this, um, Isaac, is that um, you can uh, look at one topic, uh, something breaking in, in the case, you know, in your example with the uh, uh, with the images coming through. And you can see out different sites, different um, uh, coverage sources for that. And sometimes it's useful to select, you know, who, who do you want to read? Whose story do you want to read on that topic? But can you say a little bit about how, how this comes about? I mean, is it uh, algorithm? Is it human curated? Uh, how are you able to capture the kinds of stories that, that we are really interested in and present them in this way? It is it is both in a logarithm and uh, monitoring social um, <clears throat> monitoring social media, mainly Twitter and stuff for right now. But we're, we're going to be uh, widening our base and stuff to include like uh, Reddit is a Reddit is another very 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 good uh, at breaking news uh, on some news stories as well, as, uh, particularly in aerospace. Um, so you have that. Uh, Robin is the one that designed the back end and stuff of it. So what I, I what he's created for me as the uh, content you know, head of content type of thing is kind of what I call the dashboard. So I have a, a list of, uh, you know, a feed of stories and stuff that are coming to me each day. And then I, and then we have it so that when you click on one story and then underneath it, there's a bunch of other st- related stuff. Like if I, if it's the wall street journal and stuff story, uh, you know, covering a, uh, uh, let's just say covering the uh, the recent uh, jet the uh, JetBlue court case and stuff right now going in uh, for acquisition of Spirit uh, f- for things to to make sure that's okay. Uh, then you have underneath that, then you have the CNBC, you have uh, the, the Points guy, uh, you have uh, a Skift, uh, then you have uh, you might have some uh, European you know Financial Times, uh, European media and stuff under it. So we're trying to clump all of them together and stuff. And he's trying to uh, Robin's trying to make it so auto it automatically and stuff attaches the other related stories to it automatically that I don't have to do it uh, manually and stuff. So we're trying to work in on the back end to make it work better and better and stuff for things. So it is, Robin created itself to just kind of bots going out, find, you know, finding websites, uh, you, know, you know, seeing if the website is updated a, a certain amount of times per hour and then, you know, coming back and then, and then I, you know, see what the story is and then being able to say, and then determine and stuff. Is it a, a high value story type of thing, uh, type of thing that that a lot that people will find it important. We, we're trying to go with a business angle uh, to most stories. Obviously, some you know dealing with crash stories. You know, we don't usually do general aviation crashes. 
uh, unless, unfortunately, so there was a notable one that just happened this past, or uh, just this past Sunday with the uh, Piaggio that crashed off the coast of Costa Rica, because that was a uh, one of the one of the uh, gym, uh, one of the it was one of the gym uh, fitness gym moguls in Europe that that was on the on the aircraft and stuff that perished. Uh, for things, so uh, we we try to kind of more focus on the business aspect or big uh, big impact stories uh, that we're going to include on the site. If you notice and stuff on the site too, we have a, a page called the Airflow, and that is kind of like the master feed that's coming in for uh, all the stories that are published on the site. But if you go to like the front page, so that and it's divided by aviation, defense, or space uh, for stories. And what you can do then. Uh, Max, so if I don't know if you do this, seeing the website now, you can click on the defense story, uh, defense icon there and click on the space thing. And you'll notice then it's only going to list aviation stories. And you can and it's you can do that on your mobile phone going on a site or you can you know uh, do it and stuff uh, on the computer and stuff as well. So that way it helps you and stuff find the data quicker. If you are only interested in aviation, then you can just look for aviation. If you're looking for space, do the space and defense and stuff as well. It's a way and, to and that filter. works and stuff as well on the events page and stuff as well. Right. Yes, it's an automatic filter. So you are getting faster and you're you know it's a time saving for us. You're getting the information you need fast. Uh, fast as you can and stuff for for it. Now, if you go to the front page of the website or even or in the three verticals, the aviation, defense, and space site, you see on the right side uh, you have a uh, you kind of have a little bit of part of the airflow that's on the on the right side of the master feed. On the left side, usually on the front pages of the front pages of uh, of, the, of the website as well as the three verticals, that's more the trending articles. So these are the articles that are getting a lot of traffic and stuff to them. And Robin has developed measurement tools, you know, measuring the traffic both going to the website as well as the traffic online uh, for, through social media that's uh, that's covering that story. And then, uh, as you see, there's some Twitter posts and, uh, that are also attached to that, like right now and stuff. The American Airlines Aviation Institute of Maintenance partnered up. Uh, you know, partnered up. And then you see a quote by Ed Russell, who's one of the lead writers for Airline Weekly and Skift, you know, posted that. Or the, the Whidbey Island seaplane crash. Uh, you see Dominic Gates uh, for the Seattle Times and stuff for, posting from there. So we're trying to include all the information that you can and stuff, for, uh, that you can and stuff about a story. So, Isaac, I, how do you determine what news stories go to the newsletter or the daily email that I get versus what get published on the website? That is a great question, and it's uh, and what's the beauty of that one? It's Robin set it up so it's all automated uh, for it, and that one's strictly based on the you know the top stories of the day. So the top five aerospace stories that are listed on that, that's the top you know, by traffic stories completely in air, in all the three verticals. So if you notice and stuff, usually in a the day there that that's a combination. I, the ideal days you have uh, a story from all three verticals in that aerospace thing. And then after the top five stories, regardless of which vertical it is, aviation, defense, or space, then it goes into the next top, you know, the most trafficked, uh, the most trafficked stories of the day. Uh, they go, you know, the top five in aviation, top five defense, top five space. And it's all automated. Uh, and then as well as the events calendar and stuff, it just pulls it for what's what's happening and stuff the next day uh, for it, either in, uh, you know, physical or virtual events or earnings calls, which this week is earnings calls and stuff for things. So you have a lot of a lot of company uh, reports and stuff for that this week. Hey, so, Isaac, uh, I, I love it that that it's all automated for that. So go ahead, Rob. Uh, I was going to ask, I, I don't see any any advertisements on your site, are there? Yes, that is coming. Uh, we we are in growth mode and stuff Ooh. right now because, uh, 
yes. <laughs> uh, the re- yes, we would do want to make an income, uh, a living and stuff off running this <laughs> website. So uh, I was wondering. <laughs> we can't. Yeah, we can't all do this for free. So, but him and I and stuff are okay and stuff for right now. Uh, you know, you know, footing the bill and stuff, if you will, in order to get this off, you know, literally off the ground. No pun intended, or it is actually intended uh, for things. But uh, yes, there will be. Uh, they're not will will not be banner ads, but there will be sponsored ads that will be on the newsletter. They will be smaller, uh, indescript, uh, trying to be indescript as possible, uh, you know, for it. But, uh, I view it as foolish if we did not turn, uh, you know, have sponsor ads and stuff, uh, for it. The other thing, uh, we, we will be going to a, uh, into the future and stuff as a membership model, uh, where you pay a month, you know, kind of like flight radar 24 flight aware, you pay a monthly fee, uh, and we provide some, uh, uh, you know, some tools and stuff that are not available on the free version of the site. Uh, for instance, I can tell we just released a new feature and stuff this past week called stats. Uh, so if you go to the stats page and stuff right now, it lists uh, for you the is the uh, the top 50 uh, news sources that that were that are most appear on hype aviation the past year or the past 90 days. Uh, for things. So obviously, you know, the top five being Reuters, Bloomberg, Space News, Wall Street Journal, and Flight Global, uh, then North Aviation Week. Yeah, uh, number six. So and then authors and stuff. Uh, you have authors and stuff. Uh, you know, these are the top aerospace reporters uh, you presumably would want to be following if, if you were following them on Twitter. And, you know, Edward Russell, Sandra Irwin, David Shepardson, Jeff Faust and John Ostrower. Uh, you know, definitely some, some of the definitely people and stuff you should be following uh, online and stuff for Twitter for, for the breaking news. But uh, we believe in stuff, uh, you know, uh, with the membership model, we, we would expand, uh, expand viewing and stuff maybe up to 200 uh, as to, uh, you know, 200 pu- top publications covering aerospace and stuff across the globe uh, for things uh, as another feature. What you mentioned in, I wanted to in ask, the stats I, you know, I, part. Uh, well, Go ahead, Rob. I, I was going to say, you mentioned in the stats part here, uh, I'm just looking at Reuters as a source. Uh, it says the lead, 5.327%. Can you just break that down for me? I'm not quite sure if I understand everything I'm reading. So out of the 100% of stories that are posted, the, uh, Reuters stories make up 5.32% of all 100 stories po- posted over a 90-day period. What, what does the word lead mean? Probably that's not the best definition. Rob had just put that up and stuff for oh. it. So probably lead uh, is probably not the right term and stuff for it. So, uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, I think you should have just put the percentage percentage symbol and stuff there rather than the word lead. Gotcha. Uh, that, that wasn't there and stuff last night. <laughs> so for things. Um, you know, I do have a question for David. Uh, David, uh, you know, with the events page, you know, uh, obviously with the Helicopter Association, uh, do you look at other events uh, being the helicopter curator that, that your museum would uh, possibly and stuff send you to and stuff for event, uh, events to possibly attend? Whether it, I would attend, you know, being that they would probably want to send you to D.C. if there was anything, you know, uh, vertical related and stuff for things. But would this type of re- uh, the events calendar help you uh, in your job being a cur- curator? Sure. If we had the budget to send me anywhere. um no it 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 is it's always important to know what everybody else is doing so even even if i'm not actually going to attend the events at least we know what's going on and can and so yes that 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 is helpful um across the board because it that's ways to make contacts for further. For, so, absolutely, it, it's completely useful. But as for as for me traveling on the budget of the museum, um, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it's worth noting that uh, on the events page, there are a lot of events here. Uh, I mean, even in the next, I don't know, uh, two days or so, there's uh, probably a dozen events. I mean, it's it's that quantity of events. These are worldwide events, um, not just U.S. events or Europe-centric events. Uh, these are these are worldwide events. And uh, I have never seen a, such a detailed list of events. Yeah, um, I just entered a past uh, 1,400 uh, was the last amount of events and stuff uh, I, I attended. So there's like 330 uh, space events, about the same amount of defense events. And uh, uh, I think uh, I, I think the uh, the amount of aviation events here uh, goes out into 2027, uh, goes out to just now into 2027. Uh, eBase uh, had annou- has announced a date, the, Europe, the European uh, Business Aviation uh, Show and stuff. It's gone out to dates of 2027. So that's as far out that I have here for events. So that's why you have have so many events is thankfully i love that some of the uh the more of the big trade associations have you know post multiple years in advance uh like the army sh- the army uh, usa show that just took place a couple weeks ago in uh in washington dc they they have dates out to three years in advance uh some of the air force association as well and stuff has done three years in advance aiaa uh who's done most of the your, your engineering events and stuff throughout the year is also and stuff for it so that's really helpful uh to you know for pre-planning here and that's what we're hoping that uh you know it's not just enthusiasts that i hope and stuff embrace this but uh, you know your c your c-suite uh companies here that that see value in basically what what uh, robin and i have been able to develop here uh, with this thing is to better plan their business uh if they want to go to these trade shows or you know you know network you know with key people across the globe here's your tool and stuff to be able to do that and i can say it's that the events calendar will be going uh behind the paywall and stuff for it. Uh, what, what basically that the plan is for is that the week of will always be free. So the week ahead and stuff will always be free, but uh, it will be going behind the membership mo- uh, uh, membership model and stuff for it is to anything future in advance. So uh, enjoy the freeness of how comprehensive it is because uh, yeah, it will, it's a, uh, it will, you know, we got to pay the bill, uh, you know, him and I got to pay the server bills and stuff for this thing. And uh, it is not cheap uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, we, uh, we do it on. Uh, we can't. I can't say and stuff. The the website is hosted using Amazon Web Services. You know that the AWS uh, it, for it, and it's done very very well uh, for things. We've had a couple times and stuff that that uh, the website's gone down. You know for an hour or so, and I can't really do do anything because Robin you know, Robin's the one that designed it and and maintains it, so he has to go and back you know back in and stuff and be able to fix it. But uh, it's been pretty stable. And so, uh, he, he, I mean, he's made it so much stabler uh, throughout throughout this year and. Uh, I just really, really hope that uh, you know people find this useful uh, for the for me and stuff. That's the ultimate goal. I, yes, I want to make a living and stuff from this, but uh, if people find it useful to their decision making for their company, that's one of the biggest compliments and stuff I can get. And uh, I, I've gotten some great feedback uh, stuff from people. Uh, I showed a, a preview of this to uh, Richard Abalafia and uh, Ron Epstein the last year at the, or this year and stuff at the Pacific Northwest Aerospace Alliance, and they both gave me a, a thumbs up. And they haven't even they they didn't even see and stuff how improved it is now since. And so I, I'm hoping to reach out to them and get, get some uh, direct feedback from, uh, you know, get some quotes here coming forth uh, from uh, people that work in the industry uh, to see how helpful it is and stuff, that it, uh, you know, the hype aviation can be for them. And we should probably mention that the uh, the website, of course, is hypeaviation.com. Just simple, easy to remember. And so maybe by way of example, let's uh, just sort of pick a few stories uh, from uh, hype aviation and, uh, and 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 see what we've uh, see what we've got. 
I'm clicking on this one here. Economist touts millions in savings from JetBlue American merger. Uh, this particular one's coming from courthousenews.com. And this is about uh, the Northeast Alliance. We've talked about that. American and JetBlue uh, joining forces in, uh, in a, I don't know, partnership kind of arrangement in Boston and New York. And what we see here is that the uh, Justice Department is suing and under the uh, Sherman Act, uh, the, the Sherman Antitrust Act. Is, uh, that's the act that uh, generally you have to prove that a particular practice is harmful to consumers. Uh, there's also the Clayton Act, uh, which applies to mergers. And under the Clayton Act, uh, as it explains in this article, the government can uh, enjoin a merger. It doesn't have to show harm to consumers, uh, only if it can prove that it's more likely than not to substantially lessen competition. So the uh, the government here is trying to show that this joint venture, this this arrangement, is a de, a de facto merger um, in those two cities. You know, it's a it's an interesting issue. The point of the article, the the Economist touting millions in savings, uh, is Mark Israel from Compass Lex, uh, Lexicon, which is a consulting firm. And he's estimating, uh, it, according to his testimony, that uh, this deal will actually save flyers more than $500 million a year, that the joint venture will result in ultimately 25 new planes, 5.7 million more passengers a year. Uh, and of course, the Justice Department is taking a different uh, a different view. But um, this is a, just one one article that kind of popped out to me. And it's always interesting to see these, uh, you know, these antitrust uh, suits play out, the government versus industry. And uh, I mean, I think this could, could go either way at this point. And, you know, and going along with other legal things, we posted uh, stories and stuff directly from the, you know, released from the Justice Department, uh, you know, as well. And stuff. I, I believe in stuff last week there was a uh, – uh, yeah, there was somebody in Georgia that uh, was convicted of uh, trying to – steal trade secrets from aircraft manufacturers in the state of Georgia. Well, that's kind of narrowed it down a bit as to being that there's really only two uh, in the state of Georgia being uh, Gulfstream and Lockheed Martin uh, <laughs> for things. So, uh, uh, and it was, they, they emphasized it was commercial, uh, not defense. So I, 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 Oh, there is air tractor. I, can, I forgot about that. There, there is, air, uh, there is a third one there down there. The, uh, the crop duster uh, planes and stuff. There is one. Uh, I forgot about them as an aircraft manufacturer. So thrush or uh, is thrush aircraft or what, um, the competitor and stuff for it. So, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll post, you know, that we'll link to stuff to those. Uh, there was the uh, rotor story and stuff this past weekend and stuff about uh, a judge in the United States that uh, said the Boeing uh, victims of the uh, two, uh, of the Ethiopian crash are uh, victims of a crime. Uh, that that posted and stuff this Friday and stuff. Uh, I believe Reuters broke that or uh, Bloomberg and stuff for it. So we'll post and stuff that the most important, uh, you know, stories uh, most important, but also the uh, the most trafficked stories and stuff of the day. Uh, you know, across the globe. Uh, 
you could say the one thing and stuff right now work uh, for me and stuff. Uh, I know I need to be better. Uh, we are English language text pretty much is what we're pointing towards right now and stuff for things. So that kind of limits us ourselves. Uh, you know, we're not getting port, you know, all the news that's happening down in Latin America, you know, either Spanish or Portuguese uh, covering Embraer, uh, obviously German and French, uh, you know, covering, uh, you know, Airbus and uh, the the uh, other uh, company, uh, Dornier, uh, the reborn Dornier uh, uh, company and stuff that's uh, behind the uh, the D three two eight plane that's been coming back, or uh, Japanese or Chinese and stuff right now. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, we're getting it from the state media. Uh, that's another thing too and stuff. We're, we're really careful and stuff about as well as you know state media posts uh uh for instance the Ch- you know chinese publications that uh, you know that it's it's like going back in time to uh what i grew up with the soviet union and reading pravda um one thing we're going trying to do is make sure that with state media uh that we we need to market better that it's it, uh, you know state media that with that's reporting the story uh and the stories that appear and stuff on us if it's from the chinese media you know, we we made the decision stuff that we're only going to post those stories that they're talking about only their product uh for instance uh, you know their own uh, aircraft like the C919 uh or any of their military equipment uh, we're not going to post anything about you know the the topic to stay away from uh, uh with things is is the china's post on about anything to do with taiwan that's not something we're going to cover and stuff things so <laughs> from their pers- uh, point two for our perspective uh, because uh, yeah there's poly- as my- max you have said this many many times and stuff for things how intertwined aerospace is with politics globally and stuff because every government Across the globe, wants to have the wants to have the abilities that United States, as well as a uh, you know Britain, France, and stuff, and Germany and stuff have with their aerospace industries. They want it badly uh, for things. Uh, so uh, you know, we have to be acknowledged, and uh, you know, I have to be very cognizant and stuff of that uh, in what stories and stuff appear on the website. Yeah, I, I want to come back to the uh, the crash victims. Uh, aspects to, uh, or the crime victims, rather, sorry, the crime victims aspect of the 737 MAX crashes. Mm -hmm. But Isaac, since you brought this up, uh, yeah, being able to, I don't know, vet the quality of the stories uh, could be a real significant challenge. I mean, uh, you know, we, we see this in social media where does the service provider completely stay out of uh, the the task of vetting, um, making sure that, uh, you know, inaccuracies are uh, not uh, included and things like that. Um, And then the other extreme is something that's, you know, a hundred percent curated and vetted and, and all that. And there are problems with either approach. I don't, I don't think there's a perfect way to do this. So it, I guess it's a challenge for, uh, for you, Isaac, and for hype aviation as well. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for those touchy stories, you know, I, I try to, uh, I, I don't, you know, for, for us, we try to focus on the breaking news of the story. So I will not, you know, if the story breaks, I'm going to look at it. If it's, it's, if it's on a subject that uh, I don't have a good gut feeling stuff, I'll wait for others, other news sources to come and then make it as, uh, as well as look what the, what the logarithm that Robin has done uh, with it. And then to see and stuff, which story then gets published. Uh, first and then attach the other stories and stuff with it 
uh, for things. So, uh, but there, here's another example of stuff. I, you know, I can go another approach here you know, with things is that uh, what happened in September was uh, aviation up here in Seattle uh, or out here, Moses Lake in the state of Washington had the first flight of, had the, lar- the largest electric aircraft ever uh, flew. It's their Alice nine passenger aircraft. Now, and that they were flying, let's just say on the West coast here, it was about seven, uh, seven o'clock AM uh, just after uh, like seven ten is when the flight. Uh, well, there was an air, there was an aerospace publication that had a very, very detailed uh, story and stuff that they published first. We didn't po- uh, we didn't post that one first because it chose to have no media at all uh, of the actual aircraft taking off. And I'm just like, how is that helpful for the reader if there is no images showing the actual first flight? Mm, yes, we waited until uh, somebody from the store of that was actually there posted their story with video and and pictures and stuff with it, and we went with their story uh, because that is most helpful to the reader. Uh, now, now that the, the person that now the publication that posted the original one, uh, they were attached and stuff, you know, underneath and stuff as one of the other sources that you could read about what had happened with it. But we, what we're trying to do is find, you know, what is the most helpful for the reader, is getting the most, you know, getting the most complete picture of what the story is about. That's what we're doing, and we're trying to do it quickly, you know, efficiently and stuff every day uh, for things. So sometimes things clip. Um, you know, I'm having to re- go go through over a thousand. Uh, you know, a thousand and stuff headlines a day, you know, and then re- skim- skimming the stories. I'm a power reader uh, <laughs> for things. And uh, I, you know, I, I consume a lot of things. So, I, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to make gut decisions and the best decision possible and stuff for the reader across the globe that they're going to get the right factual information daily. Do I miss them sometimes? Absolutely. Uh, do I try to minimize that as much as possible? You bet I do. Uh, <laughs> trying, you know, because I don't want to waste people's time. I want people to derive value from this service every day. And Robin and stuff is what is very very adamant about it. That you know, we want, yeah, you know, we want the positive feedback, but we want people that to find value and making their decisions. Uh, you know, in, in the aerospace industry. Yeah, and isn't that the reason why the Wright brothers got credit because they had the photographer there yeah. for first flight? Yeah, there's that argument. <laughs> I'm not going to get Max in trouble again with a with a NASA story. I know, I've already been in hot water once. No, but that we're not doing that story again. So, Brian, this uh, this story about the seven three seven Max crash victims uh, that that took me by surprise. Right, this is uh, a, a judge ruled that the victims could are. Could be legally considered crime victims. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, neither did I. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, and it seems like Boeing got itself in trouble again by making the deal with the DOJ in secret. And the judge didn't like that fact. And it's basically said that, um, you know, Boeing should have known that the lack of training could have resulted in loss of life and doing the secret deal with the DOJ. Um, is against the law and therefore the the victims or the families of the victims are do their day in court or at least in the discovery process to see if a crime actually has been committed. So I guess the logic here is that uh, you, know, you go back to January 2021 and that's when the United States Justice Department um, made this deal with Boeing, this deferred prosecution agreement. Um, there was a um, uh, value of the agreement, $2.5 billion, uh, but it, uh, 
absolved, not absolved. What's the, I don't know what the legal term is, but uh, as recognized. a reason, recognized that, um, or, or Boeing wasn't held uh, criminally responsible or liable mm-hmm. or something like that. And so some of the victim's relatives uh, sued in stating that uh, the, the victim's uh, legal rights were violated when this deferred prosecution agreement was uh, was struck. And so, like, yeah, as you said, Brian, the, the judge agreed to the point where he's saying, or she, I don't know if it's a he or a she, uh, that, uh, you know, they're, they're due their day in court, like you say. Um, I don't know what happens next in this uh, little saga, but this could uh, this could open up a big can of worms. Oh, Boeing opened up a can of worms years ago. I mean... Let, let's face it, when they when they put that system in and they didn't tell the pilots about it, and I mean, it was it was a, a a rabbit going down a rabbit hole with something tied to its tail. You just knew that this was going to come back and haunt them. Oh, Rob, what could possibly go wrong? Okay. <laughs> and, and with Boeing, I mean, yeah, yeah. Rob. It goes back even further than that. They could have, you know, this this new safety system now that that it's affecting the uh, the certification of the uh, the Max Seven and the Max Ten right now with it with this new safety system that uh, they were supposed to have. And this could have been all resolved if that safety system was implemented for the NG models back in the nineteen nineties. But and they would have had none of this, uh, or at least have much less uh, of this type of issue right now. But they had that constant drumbeat of the the A three twenty Neo nipping at their heels, and uh, you know who knows yes. how much. Well, and they yeah. rushed it, and you know who was the big customer that helped launch that as well? Southwest. Are we seeing a connection here with Southwest? Uh, you know, needs uh, uh, should go above everything. Ooh, uh, it just mm. <laughs> all right. Who else has got some uh, interesting uh, news stories from? Hype aviation, some topics that uh, kind of pop out at you. I wanted to uh, comment on that uh, that uh, otter, that turban otter crash uh, from some months yes, back. Uh, but I don't have all of the details that I wanted. So, but I, I'm a little so I'm a little hesitant to uh, to comment. But it's interesting that in the stories that have been circulating about that, uh, it sounded at first like it was a structural uh, defect, uh, but then the last airplane, I think they built the last daughter 60 years ago or something like that. So it can't be that. It's got to be a, a maintenance issue unless there was something the pilot could have done, which as we spoke about before the, um, uh, the show started, uh, at that low altitude, they probably, none of them, probably even knew what hit them. And uh, for those people that aren't familiar, it, it looks like as if someone was in the cockpit and suddenly just pushed the nose over, pushed the wheel as far forward as it would go, and the airplane just dove into the water. And so, again, those poor people never knew what hit them, and they're they're saying that it's a, uh, a failure of a... Uh, a structural connection on the uh, on the elevator, but I couldn't quite tell if it if they were saying the uh, the linkage broke. I don't think it was that. It it sounded like uh, some pin that joined these two connectors together 
may have either failed or have been uh, uh, misconnected, uh, and that, that's why I'm a little a little uh, hesitant about commenting. But uh, in in either case, um, I don't think we've ever seen a an otter go down like this. Although Isaac, you've followed this some. I mean, there have been otter issues over the last few years, haven't there? There's been some. Um, we've had some seaplane incidents, but they've been, you know, we we uh, the main seaplanes that operate here in the Pacific Northwest are mainly our, uh, you know, Cessna caravans or small Cessnas, uh, and then of course beavers and otters. Uh, being, uh, and then the occasional uh, Harbor Air has one twin otter and stuff as well that operates out of Vancouver, BC. It's been for a variety of kind of different reasons. Uh, there's been no crash and stuff that I'm aware of, of any otter that's crashed like this one uh, that this summer and stuff with things. The NTSB released the thing today and it's with a lot. They're pointing to a lock. Uh, the horizontal stabilizer actuators and lock rings is what they're focused on right now. Well, Isaac, you're, you're pretty familiar with the uh, Pacific Northwest. What's going on Uh up there, Kenmore Air is launching some just a new seaplane service. I understand. Yes, uh, so uh, kind of a roundup and stuff from my area that uh, you know before running hype, I, I was kind of uh, I, I love to cover the aviation news and stuff in my region, and uh, you know I was able to take you on a whirlwind tour here two years ago or three years ago now and stuff uh, uh, of what's happening here in the Pacific Northwest. But uh, uh, this past spring is that Kenmore Air, along with the Puyallup River Tribe here in the kind of the Tacoma area, uh, announced that they're going to set up a seaplane terminal in Tacoma. And initially, uh, it's going to be the uh, two locations that are going to uh, they're going to fly from or, or two uh, from Tacoma is to uh, uh, Orcas Island on the uh, on the San Juan Islands uh, here in Washington State, and then uh, then after that, Victoria, BC. Uh, so they're going to have, obviously they're going to have to have a customs uh, service there uh, at the at the terminal and stuff on upon arrival and stuff for people to do so. But uh, this is for the first commercial air service uh, ever coming into Tacoma city limits. And uh, I could not be happier being a, uh, I live out of gig Harbor, which is just West of Tacoma. So uh, I, I'm just tickled pink and I'm trying, uh, I talked to the CEO of Kenmore air and I'm hopefully going to be in that first flight to the Victoria from Tacoma. And that schedule, uh, the terminal scheduled to be open at the uh, uh, late 2023 uh, is very when, cool. Uh, the first flights will be to the San Juan initially. And then the Victoria flights and stuff will be coming on after that. Once they have the, uh, the customs uh, getting someone from customs there on station is kind of the, uh, the more difficult part uh, that's kind of related to uh, when they now as uh, Kim Warrior has direct Seattle to downtown, downtown Seattle to downtown Vancouver service has now started back up after the pandemic. And, you know, getting the customs at both locations there going is it was kind of the uh, tricky situation, both on the Canadian side as well as the American side. But uh, that's running stuff again right now. So uh, we got that going. So uh, <laughs> for seaplane service, uh, uh, Max, I was going to ask the game here. Do you got five million dollars? Uh, does anybody here have uh, cumulative five million dollars to uh, spend? Uh, because uh, I, I do. there is a seaplane available to purchase one of the probably the largest seaplane uh, right now. Well, yeah, it, I, I still believe it's the largest operating seaplane now. Once they put it back into service, the Martin Mars, uh, form, uh, by operated by Colson Aviation, got put on sale earlier this year uh, by the, by the company by a broker, and uh, I contacted the broker back in uh, March and April, and it was for five million dollars. And at that time, there was two bidders: one based in the United States and one in South America. 
but uh, it is still, as uh, I just checked this past weekend, it is still for sale at $5 million. So uh, I assume Colson is not happy with either bid. So, uh, and this is for the Hawaiian Mars. This is the one that went to Oshkosh back in 2016. Uh, unfortunately, had an incident, uh, had uh, hit some debris there in the lake, and but it was able to make it back there okay. But uh, it's not flown since uh, 2016, since it made it way back to uh, Port Alberni on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. So uh, that's that kind cool of the, uh, the seaplane news and stuff from up here and stuff for things. So, uh, um, yeah. but uh, the other kind of news and stuff up here is that, you know, as we come out of the pandemic, unfortunately, the future of flight, uh, it, the museum and stuff is open there at Payne Field. Unfortunately, the, uh, the Boeing to- factory tours are still not open. And there's been no word and stuff as when the, the factory tours and stuff back to the uh, Boeing factory will happen. Uh, as we know and stuff, the, the, there's kind of some big historical news here coming out here at Payne Field here soon is that the last 740, uh, the, the second to last uh, 747 just uh, had its first flight, actually. And the last uh, 747 to be built, the Dash 8, uh, the last four have been delivered or being delivered to Atlas Air. Uh, air, uh, dedicated air cargo carrier, but the uh, it looks like at the end of the year or the be, uh, late December, early January time frame is when the last 747-8 uh, will be delivered. In that space in the factory, they have not designated said what what's going to replace that. Uh, currently, right now in the factory, you have uh, the, of course the KC uh, KC forty six and uh, uh, seven sixty seven tanker or uh, seven sixty seven freighters that are being delivered, uh, and then you have the triple seven, and then you uh, you have the triple seven X that are being done. Uh, the seven eight seven new builds were moved out in March of last year in twenty twenty one. But we still do have 787s in there. They are reworked ones that were uh, not put together properly in North Charleston, South Carolina. So they are having to do, still do rework on air, on Dreamliners that were uh, built there. So uh, mm. and uh, we haven't heard they're, they're starting to deliver 787s again out of North Charleston. Uh, but we still not have a word as to uh, when uh, uh, when they'll stop having to send aircraft up here to get fixed. Uh, yeah, that could be right expensive for time, Boeing. Uh, with things, just, yeah, for sure. Yeah, rework. Yeah, like they're that. still having quality issues with that. So, and then the other museum thing up at Payne Field is the Flying Heritage Collection, which was previously owned by Paul Allen, uh, the late Paul Allen, one of the co-founders of Microsoft. Uh, the museum closed during the pandemic, and uh, uh, Paul's estate went to his sister Jody, and Jody announced that she was selling it, uh, and the uh, the aqua- uh, the person that's acquiring it is the grandson of Sam Walton of the Walmart company. And uh, the great news is that uh, paid a, probably a large sum of money and stuff for that. But I am just very, very thankful and happy that the collection is not going to be pieced off and sold off. It will be held together and they will reopen it here in Everett. Uh, but uh, you, when you have something that purchases, uh, this is me now talking, not anybody in stuff else, just me. When you pay that much, millions of dollars, they they don't announce a pro, uh, you know a price publicly, and that's fine. Uh, but when you pay that much, probably for a product, and you have no connection at all to this region where it's at, it sounds like they're going to, uh, you know, my speculation is that he's going to build. Uh, they're going to spend some time to build an, a new hangar facility outside of Bentonville, Arkansas, and then eventually move the facility, uh, move the collection then there uh, to Arkansas, but at least the collection will be together. And that's what's for me. And so that's, what's most important. So at least for at least two to three more years, uh, the, the collection and stuff will be available and stuff for viewing. Uh, they have not launched, uh, announced a specific date yet as to when the uh, collection or when the uh, fine heritage collection will be open again. Uh, but hopefully it's up by the end of the year or early January and stuff, it will be open. Hmm. So. 
Speaking of dates, David, I see that uh, we have a date for the reveal for the B-21 bomber uh, coming up in in December. Apparently that's been announced. Uh, We really don't know very much about the B-21 at this point, do we? The B-21 Raider is the follow-on from Northrop Grumman to the B-2. It's going to be produced in in much higher quantities, and it's kind of a deluxe, dumbed-down version of the B-2, (laughs) is the way to describe it. Yeah, dumbed-down how? How do you mean? It's definitely, the technology has gone to the point where it's more sophisticated, and it's gone through rapid prototyping. Um, the B-2, of course, went through years and years of production issues and behind the scenes in the black budget before it was debuted and, and flown. And then we only bought a little over 20 of them because of the price tag. The B-21 is part of the Air Force's program for rapid prototyping and rapid production. They don't want to spend 25 years building aircraft, you know, and then have them get so expensive that you don't want to build them. So uh, currently there's the one that's going to be on display. There's also um, two or three, I believe, currently that are on the production line that are almost finished to be. So um, it's rapidly moving and they're looking to have these um, deployed by the end of the 2020s. So it's definitely a different way of looking at prototyping and and building a strategic bomber. Um, One of the interesting aspects about this bomber is there may be a potential of it to be exported. Several countries have in our specific uh, in the Pacific Rim have mentioned that they would like to have access to this bomber and Of course, this bomber will be replacing two bombers in our bomber triad, and it's not the one you think. It'll be the B-1 and the B-2. The B-21 will be replacing those. Um, We got pictures of what the B-52I or K looked like this week um, with its new streamlined nose and the new turbofans. Um, so the B-52 will be flying long after they retire the last B-21 to the boneyard. Um, so, but that's where we are in the state of strategic bombing. Again, the B-21 is a little bit smaller than the B-2, um, but it we will have substantially more um, than the 20-plus um, that we have currently. And I kind of just want to go back, uh, uh, go back and stuff to the uh, you know Northrop revealed the date, and it's going to be December second uh, at their Palmdale facility. I was finally I've seen Palmdale with my uh, the the actual factory there with my own eyes when I went out uh, was down in Southern California this last uh, uh, September uh, for things. Now uh, it's really interesting is that the you know you could say most of the defense decisions are always you know the Beltway uh, based out of DC, but there is one event annually that you have na- uh, admirals and generals and stuff uh, that come out from DC and come to the West Coast, and that is the Reagan Defense Forum. 
National, excuse me, the Reagan National Defense Forum that's usually held the first week after uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, it is uh, December 2nd is a Friday, and that is also the first day of the National Defense Forum, uh, the Reagan Defense Forum that takes place on both Friday and Saturday, the 2nd and the 3rd. So I, I'm curious as to what this unveil is going to be. Um, and I, I yes, the, I am sure the Air Force is well aware of, uh, I think it was on Bill Sweatman when, when he was a past guest here, uh, Rob, when you brought him on the show and stuff here, he talked about that, you know, the, the, B, the B2 date, uh, you know, the rollout date for it and why I know David and stuff knows the story well, but uh, for those that don't know, is that uh, you know back in uh, back in 1989, uh, 88 or 89, when the uh, the reveal took place uh, at Palmdale Airport, uh, all the media were, were could only assemble at one place uh, at, at the at the uh, for the rollout type of thing, and so they can only get everyone had all the same camera angle. The Air Force did not want anybody to see the back end of the plane. So what did the uh, I forget the name of the I apologize I forget the name of the Aviation Week reporter, uh, reporter uh, who unfortunately passed away and stuff I, I want to say about over a decade ago. Uh, he came up with the idea of uh, he's going to skip the thing and he rented a Cessna and he flew over during the ceremony. He flew over and had the exclusive pictures there. Much to that irate, the entire Defense Department was pissed off at Aviation Leak uh, and stuff for that. But they were doing their job and doing it damn well, uh, as, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, Aviation Week on the on the cover and stuff had the exclusive images and stuff of what the engines, uh, the back end of the plane and the full shape of the plane looked like uh, for things. Now, this reveal, I, I'm kind of wondering if this is just going to be inside the hangar. And it's not going to be revealed outside because we'll have all the positioning of all the satellites from, uh, you know, China, Russia, Iran and stuff, or, or, as well as our allies. Uh, I'm looking at you, France, uh, would love and stuff to, uh, you know, see the, the first images of what this actually looks like and stuff for things with their own satellites. Um, I'm just I, I'm speculating right now that it will not publicly come out of the hangar uh, for this reveal. Uh, it will be inside the hangar uh, for this, the, the people that are going to be able to attend this event would, would do it. Does that make sense to you, David, as to them not do, you know, seeing a repeat of what happened in uh, 1989 and just uh, foregoing that and just have everybody bust there and uh, just being able to look inside the hangar? Um, I have a feeling you're going to see more of it than that. I, I, I I hope you're right. (laughs) I, I, while a lot of it's classified, a lot of this technology in the B-21, we've already seen in the B-2 and across the, you know, across the globe, you know, China has, is soon to have a flying wing. I, I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be hidden inside the aircraft, but we pretty much know what the shape is. A, Stealth is going to be stealth, uh, um, and it'll all go out the window in a month or two months, whenever it has its first flight. So there's really, there's really no reason um, to not show the rear end of it, other than um, it will make some general feel better. But uh, as far as Northrop Grumman goes. There's been so much written about it already, you know, and the fact that they gave it a name. And I think the Air Force wants to show the technology. And so I think I think it won't be the dramatic um, trying to hide things back like we had back in the in the 90s, because it's it's going to be kind of pointless, you know, because eventually you're going to see the back of the airplane the moment it has its first flight. So 
why delay that any longer than you have to, you know? And I would just say that the image that they had with that, the, the you know, December 2nd reveal, that image is from, is over seven years old now. It was from the 2000, in 2015, Northrop Grumman in the Los Angeles market, just in the Los Angeles, Southern California market, ran a, a, a Super Bowl commercial. Uh, with that, and all it is is just you can see an out of a plane is covered with a drape, uh, of it, and that's been the only public image, uh, image and stuff that they they've revealed of the B twenty one, and that's that's the same image they're still using now, <laughs> uh, you know, because the Air Force is just jittery on allowing uh you know Northrop Grumman to use any other image, uh, they have released some other uh, artistic uh, sch- schematics uh, that some uh, you know some of the defense journalists have been pe- you know were pestering them all last year and. You know, they finally coughed them up to show some of the new hangers that, that they would be built. So everyone's trying to figure out the exact dimension, you know, trying to guess these hangers and then figuring out the exact size of them. So then they can figure out the exact size uh, or the dimensions of the uh, of the bomber uh, for things. <laughs> or, you know, it's just going to like it's a straight math question uh, for things. But, uh, yeah, it's hmm. I can't wait to see it You know, for, with my own. Eye. I'm hoping this stuff to be able to attend the uh, I'm trying like crazy to see if I can attend this event uh, because I've. I've missed my chance, you know. Uh, the, you know the B twenty, uh, the B two rollout happened when I was in high school. I missed the F twenty, you know, all the uh, the new military programs. I've I missed kind of the kickoff. So this is the one military program I would love to attend myself uh, to see. I to say that I was on the ground floor of one military program throughout my life. So I was able to attend. So yep, hmm. we'll see if Hope I'm successful or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I want to hear about Brian. I, I, Brian, I hope this doesn't sound crass, but how in the bleep are you able to keep your butt sit down and stuff for doing that many miles and stuff for, for your uh, goal? Uh, it's an amazing goal that you've set for yourself. I don't know how your your posterior and stuff handles that. Uh, <laughs> please tell me your secret <laughs> is to uh, keeping your body fit and stuff for <laughs> being sitting for that long and stuff on an aircraft. I'm actually surprised. It has been much easier than what I was expecting. And um, Mike and I just did the the podcast uh, yesterday. So if people aren't familiar, uh, they could go to thejourneyistthereward.org. And it's my quest to fly the remaining 300,000 paid miles on United Airlines. So I reach uh, 3 million miles status. Um, and I set the goal of doing that in 18 months. And Mike and I just recorded a show where I actually went to Singapore twice. So I did back to back. So flew from L.A. to Singapore, overnighted, flew back to L.A., flew the same day, flew back to Singapore, overnighted, and then flew back the following day. So that was an awful lot of button seat time. Uh, one of the segments was in regular economy. Two of the segments were in uh, premium economy. And fortunately for the very last segment, I got upgraded to business class. Regular economy? How many hours was that, Brian? It, um, from San Francisco to Singapore, it was 16 hours. And what seat did you have? I had 20... No, no, thirty. I, no, thirty-two Lima. I, I was. I'm sorry. I wasn't clear on that. I mean, uh, an aisle, a middle, or a window. A window. So I got to interrupt two people every time I needed to use the lav. Okay. 
Cool. Yeah, which was which was really fun, uh, especially because one of my seatmates was dead asleep and did not appreciate being woken up at all. Yeah, well, then he shouldn't have had that seat. Yeah, well, that's pretty much what I say. If you if 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 you don't want to fly in coach, don't buy the ticket. Yeah. Um, and what one of the things that I've really been surprised about is how air travel, um, the luxury air travel demand is still still so strong. We were really expecting to see a drop off come Labor Day, and almost every flight that I'm on, one maybe two people get upgraded. All the rest are going out as revenue seats. It's absolutely amazing to me how so many people are spending so much money on plane tickets. It's just crazy. But you didn't get into business class very often. I, I guess my, I, I guess they didn't know who you were. Is that yeah. problem? <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, because I didn't use my American Express black card, I believe, to buy the ticket. Yeah, so they had no idea who I was and they kept I me back see. in coach. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but so far for the year, um, Isaac, I was just looking at some numbers. So I've flown uh, 163,000 miles, and this is just on United. I've had some other flights on, I believe this past year, it's only been Southwest. So I have uh, you know, three, 4,000 miles on Southwest, but 163,000 on on United. I have another trip to Singapore planned next month and another trip to South Africa planned. Um, so they are, um, they're already ticketed. Um, I, I, well, my mom doesn't listen to this, but I'm actually going to surprise. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to surprise my mom, uh, next week and, and show up in Florida to see her as well. So I, you know, squeezing a, a quick little domestic trip in there as well. Um, one of the things that really surprises me with this project is I've made an offer where if anyone wants to fly one of these crazy trips with me, that they could do that. And I'd make arrangements for them and all. And I've had two people sign up for it. One person is uh, flying with me to Zambia and another person we're going to South Africa. And for both of these, instead of just doing a 24-hour turnaround, I'm actually staying a few extra days and um, leading a tour of Victoria Falls and then leading a safari tour in South Africa. Wow. This could become a business, Brian. <laughs> it, it could. I just need to find a lot more people that are willing to pay to travel with me. Yeah, um, yeah that's that's sort of the the downside. Um, and now one of our listeners, and I'm going to apologize because I cannot pronounce his name or not yet anyway. He lives in Tel Aviv and actually uh, Hillel has met with him before and he invited me to Tel Aviv. Now, I have always had an interest in going there, but I never thought that I'd actually do it. But when a local says, hey, if you come to Tel Aviv, I'll take you around and I'll um, introduce you to some aerospace people and do some interviews. I bought the ticket right away. So in February, I'm going to go over to Tel Aviv and and spend a few days over there. Excellent. That should be a great trip. So is it starting to feel like the uh, the end is in sight? How many more miles do you have? It, it is. So the original goal, I was just shy of 300,000 miles. So I've flown the 163,000 miles. So more or less, that leaves me, what, 137,000 miles to, to fly. Um, I have 
probably all but, I don't have the number in front of me, but all but about 45,000 miles of the tickets already purchased. Mm. And it's kind of unfortunate because ticket pricing, from when I started this project or thought about it till now, the ticket pricing has just skyrocketed. So it's 40, 50% more expensive than what it was when I originally budgeted this. So I'm very grateful that I bought many of these tickets um, at, when I started this project. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, it would be very, very expensive for me to do it otherwise. All right. What other updates do we have? Uh, Isaac, a barbecue. Aerospace has been very, very good to me this past decade. And uh, there was an event here that used to be held in the Seattle area called the uh, Aviation Geek Fest. And uh, that unfortunately ended in 2017. And uh, since no one was uh, taking up the crown of doing an annual aerospace event here in the uh, Seattle area, I took it upon myself and got a team together. So we ran the what's called the Seattle Aerospace Barbecue. And one one person here has actually attended that, and that's being Rob. Uh, he was able to come out here for the uh, the 2021, kind of our last one we had uh, before the pandemic. Uh, what what the event is, you show up at ja- uh, Jack's Barbecue. Uh, in, Jan- uh, in January, uh, you show up at Jack's Barbecue, let's just say around six o'clock. Uh, everyone has a good, uh, good barbecue meal there. And then, uh, what I do is each table, let's just say a table of eight, uh, is your own team. And I run a, tri- uh, 10 question uh, trivia contest, uh, ranging from everything from aviation, defense, and space. Uh, so, run- so each, uh, each table and stuff, you know, you're, you're meeting with a bunch of strange, you know, sometimes strangers, but you all have a shared passion for, uh, you know, things above you, uh, flying. So, uh, I run the table, uh, run, run the trivia contest. And then, uh, then we announce the winners of that. Then I run a raffle, uh, of, uh, various prizes, uh, models, uh, this, uh, the last one and stuff we had, uh, uh, we had one, uh, we had an event here. In, we had a barbecue and stuff in August of this year. And that's because the Delta variant of pandemic, uh, made it so that we couldn't hold one in January. So we moved it for one year only. It was held in August of this year. And we had over 50 people and stuff attend. So, uh, uh, now it's going to go back to the uh, back to the January time slot. Uh, always the weekends between New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's weekend, and Martin Luther King weekend here in the United States. Uh, the reason why I pick those dates, you don't come to Seattle for the weather in January. Boy, you do not. But what you do come is for the passionate people, the people that are just passionate about every uh, aviation defense, uh, aviation defense of space. They're passionate and they come to this event and they enjoy being around each for one evening. They enjoy being around each other and, uh, you know, sharing a good time and good memories and stuff for things. Uh, uh, for it. So, uh, I use it as a chance to, uh, um, you know, give back to the community that's been uh, great for stuff to me, uh, is, is the way I do it. And usually the grand prize for the raffle, uh, Alaska airlines has been very gracious and they give two, fr- uh, two, uh, two free round trip tickets to anywhere Alaska flies, uh, was the big prize and stuff this year. And then boom arrow gave away one of their, uh, the model, the uh, the second uh, proposed uh, overture model of their supersonic transport, they gave away as a prize uh, for things. So those are kind of some of the prizes for the raffle. Yeah, they'll be collectors. Uh, yes, yeah, they, they definitely will. So uh, uh, January seventh is it? Uh, uh, over Thanksgiving weekend is when tickets will become available. Uh, this year we're still doing a hard cap of sixty people that that can attend and stuff. This year, uh, this will hopefully be the last year. You know, sixty will 
probably and stuff expanded the following year in 2024 to over 100, uh, probably take over the entire restaurant uh, in 2024. But uh, this year, it's, uh, the tickets are going to be going very, very quickly at six, uh, filling up at 60 people. So uh, if you want to come, uh, yeah, be ready and stuff at your key uh, at your keyboards. Uh, uh, the week, uh, the, the Sunday and Monday after Thanksgiving is when tickets will become available. So. And is there a charge for that? Yes. Uh, uh, this this past year's charge uh, was right around thirty bucks. Uh, so basically, you pay the fee thing, and your food is taken care of. The only thing that's not covered uh, by it is if you want to buy adult beverages, that you would pay yourself on top of the fee uh, right there. But all the food and you know, you want to buy lemonade, uh, you know, soda, uh, soda, milk, uh, you know, tea uh, for your drinks, then that that's paid for and stuff. But any alcoholic beverages, you would pay extra and stuff for it uh, at the barbecue. All food is provided. And, and food and entertainment. And where can people go to uh, to find the tickets when they come up for sale? Right now, it's my Twitter account. I'm going to be launching an actually official website for it. Uh, we usually use Eventbrite uh, is is our partner and stuff for it. So I'll be posting the uh, the link and stuff for the ticket purchase. So we'll go through Eventbrite uh, for things. But uh, I will be uh, actually making my own website and stuff now uh, and have an official home for the CLA Aerospace Barbecue. So uh, to link to the Eventbrite page. So. Okay. You, you know, can I just tell you one thing? I, I was a little bit, um, considering the fact that I flew all the way out to Seattle, I was a little disappointed about one aspect of the barbecue. Isaac, when when we, you know, when I agreed to come out, I thought you were going to slip me the the answers to the to the <laughs> trivia contest, and I I never got those, and I had to play along with all the riffraff, and I lost my butt. Uh, I just wanted to make that comment. Gotcha. Uh, so, uh, so, yep. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> let's just, can I still come next time? Yeah, you can still come if you get it, you get, you, you buy your ticket in time and stuff. I cannot guarantee a space. Uh, I know and stuff. Uh, I have a friend from uh, Dubai that's going to be coming. Uh, he's going to fly in for this. So, uh, this last September or the, the last one we had in here in August, we had people, uh, the furthest person that came was New York. We had four people from uh, Arizona. We had two from the San Francisco Bay area. And then we had three Canadians come down from British Columbia, uh, for it. And so, uh, nicely. And the, the rest were pretty much in Washington state, uh, that, that, that attended. So, uh, nice geographical spread and it's going to be even more diverse here uh, this year and stuff with uh, more people uh, i know a few more people from the east coast that def- very much want to come out here for the weekend uh you know go to the museum of flight do something and then come back so i uh, pl- just plan for having a fun time and stuff with everybody you know it could be d- d- hopefully it's not snowing that's the only thing i hope if it's just raining fine uh, i can deal with that but if it's you know snowing obviously you know <laughs> that's another thing and stuff we'd have to deal with but you know that's the joys of holding a- an event in the winter you just never know sounds like a blast all right anybody else got anything uh interesting going on in their world aviation wise i just want to ask a question here for 2023 here before things is that uh, for me, I attended Oshkosh five, uh, you know, four years ago. Uh, and I'm really hoping since uh, you guys and stuff didn't get to do a full get together and stuff this summer at the uh, Innovations of Flight. Uh, I really hope I can see about all of you and stuff t- uh, at uh, in Oshkosh and stuff this upcoming July. Uh, I, self- I selfishly hope that. Uh, David and Seth, if you need some uh, assistance here, uh, I'm happy and stuff to make it so that uh, you can get, you know, we have everybody and stuff represented there. So. Uh, I would love to see everybody there. Yeah, I think that would be a that would be a great uh, a great thing to do, a great event to uh, assemble all of us 
at at Oshkosh this uh, or next year, twenty twenty three. So I think we should be, uh, yeah, thinking thinking towards that. As you know, I, I'll just make a few comments. As you know, I was able to attend the Albuquerque Balloon Fiesta. And uh, in fact, had a few interviews uh, from that event a few episodes ago. Just to reiterate a few things from uh, from that, it was uh, an amazing event. It, it's definitely, in my opinion, uh, you know, one of those events that needs to be on your on your bucket list uh, to, at least once. Uh, it's it's just spectacular. It's almost hard to describe what it's like and. I think, as I you know described earlier uh, in that earlier episode, uh, one thing that really distinguishes it from other aviation events is that there is no line of demarcation between the spectators um, and um, the the pilots, the flyers. In this case, the balloons. Uh, you are you know, integrated with them. Uh, you can hang out at uh, or with one balloon team. Uh, or hop between several. You can just uh, you know plan the uh, the 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 morning as it will as it were when uh, when you have the launches uh, the way you like it. Uh, it's it's just something spectacular. And uh, when you uh, when you wake up in the in the RV parking lot, particularly the south uh, lot, uh, and then see the sky filled with balloons and some of them landing in and around. Uh, the the RVs and the folks camping there, uh, some of them taking off again, some of them packing up from there. It's just a site that's uh, it's just unlike anything else. So yeah, highly recommend oh, it. They're so colorful. Uh, absolutely, it's it's almost every color of the the color palette, and and it's just there's I don't know. It's so dramatic that you can't say anything except whoa. Exactly. Exactly. I will just say and stuff, uh, covering the event, you know, from hype aviation standpoint, uh, you know, event, I, I didn't realize that this event by attendance is larger than AirVenture uh, by, by what was posted and stuff from the event organizers that it was larger. The, the most entertaining story that I saw from this was apparently one of the hot air balloons was stolen and then found about uh, an hour later uh, so for someplace. I, I'd not heard that before and stuff at the event that a hot air balloon was stolen. I mean, it's kind of a hard thing and stuff to uh, get a, get away with <laughs> in terms of things. And it sounds like it was personal. Yes, so I was talk- Grant there? <laughs> no, no, Grant was not there. But I, I did talk to the team that, um, that had the balloon um, stolen. And actually, this is something that you need to keep in mind if you do attend – uh, Albuquerque, uh, as a city, has an extremely high crime rate uh, to the point where I think you're okay at the venue if you're staying at the you know at the at the Fiesta Balloon Fiesta grounds themselves. But if you're at a hotel uh, or anything like that, uh, or if you go into town uh, to a restaurant, it's not like hide your valuables in your car. It's like, do not leave any valuables in your car. It's it's really unfortunate. And in my personal opinion, I think the city of Albuquerque really needs to address this. Uh, I talked to the team and that had the theft and that team has, uh, well, it's one balloon, but it's really two balloons. It's, it's two bees, like the bee, you know, the, um, the insect, um, but it's, they're joined together uh, and it's got two baskets, um, 
uh, so it's a giant, giant balloon. But they also have a uh, a baby bee, and that's the balloon that was that was stolen. They were parked at a hotel overnight. And it was interesting because the way the team uh, member described it to me is the balloon was stolen. But according to the subsequent press reports, yeah, the balloon was stolen. And so was the trailer that the balloon was in. And so was the truck that was attached to the trailer. So, you know, if, if that had been mine, I would have said, you know, my truck was stolen. But it was just kind of interesting mm-hmm. that to them, it was the balloon was stolen. Well, that's interesting. I had not heard about that. And when you first mentioned it, I thought you were going to say they lit the balloon and they flew it off. Yeah, no, I no. Guess the, not. The way, they, the way it was recovered is apparently um, somewhere along the line, I guess the thief threw a, uh, an iPad or something of similar, you know, some kind of a tablet out the window uh, of the truck. And that was reported. They found that. And so the police went to that area where the laptop was there, you know, laying on the road or wherever it was found. And apparently there was a known car thief who lived in that area. And I guess through investigations, they were able to recover some and they got the the balloon in the trailer and they got the truck later. My, (laughs) My question was, if there's a known balloon thief living in the, I mean, sorry, if there's a, a known car thief living in the area, why is the car thief living in the area and not living in a prison somewhere? But uh, I don't know. So anyway, they got it all back and everything was fine. But just if you go to Albuquerque uh, for the balloon fiesta or anything else, just something you need to be aware of. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, in the podcast episode uh, previously published, I wouldn't let that stop you from going to the balloon fiesta, but just keep it in mind. How do you enjoy getting up at 4.30? So, okay, so that's great. Um, that's a good question. It's very much more convenient if you camp on the grounds because you can save yourself about an hour of, <laughs> of extra sleep. Um, getting up early, you know, it's just so exciting that, you know, you just do it. Uh, another aspect of that, though, is that it's all contingent upon the weather. There, in this uh, past year in this this year's event, there was uh, there were a number of days where it was rainy, and, or where it was too windy to launch the balloons. So you can get up at four thirty or five thirty in in my case, only to find out that there will be no you know no launches that that morning. So if you're planning a trip to the balloon fiesta, don't plan on just one of the two weekends or a few days during the week. You need to plan on. I would say a minimum four or five days just to uh, give yourself some insurance in case the weather prevents the the balloon flights. So that's something else to keep in mind. But it was cool. It was really cool. Definitely looks like a bucket list event to attend. So I'm glad you got were able to go, Max. Yeah, I, I had a blast. I'm really, really, really glad. Um, so yeah, I did not go to the Reno air races. Um, the, the timing just didn't work out. Oh, okay. And of course, uh, they, they, they had a, a, a tragic, um, accident, the crash at the air races this year, which, um, I'm sure ended the event at that point. Um, but that's, that's another bucket list item that, uh, I'd like to attend for sure. Where are you right now, Max? So, Today, I pulled into Sparks, Nevada, and 
as I was getting off the highway, uh, my trip mileage crossed 5,000 miles. So 5,000 miles since, since leaving home, I don't know, a little over six weeks. And, and let's see, the, tr- the, the truck gets what kind of mileage again? With the, oh, God, we don't uh, even want to talk about it, Rob. <laughs> and we don't want to talk about the price of gasoline out here. Ten, 10 miles to the gallon, maybe? Oh, yeah. you probably don't even get that, do you? Uh, no, I can get that. I can get yeah, that. cross the border into California if you want to pay really high gas prices. So, yeah, so I'm in Nevada. And I have to get back now. You drove by my old stomping grounds there at the uh, Naval Air Station Fallon, which you drove by and stuff on the highway, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, coming east, uh, coming westbound uh, for things. So. Yeah. There are a lot of places. I the true Top Gun and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So on that point, uh, you know, for the for you listening. Um, so we have some more pre-recorded segments. And so uh, upcoming episodes will uh We'll almost certainly involve those. We'll try to get the gang together uh, as as much as we can until I get back to uh, the East Coast. Um, but yeah, expect some more pre-recorded episodes. Uh, I tell you though, I I really miss you know having doing this with the gang, doing this with all of you guys, uh, putting together what, what's effectively a bits and pieces episode is uh, it's not as it's not as satisfying for me. It's not as much fun as. Uh, being able to talk with all of you. So I'm really, really glad that we were able to do that uh, this week. You know, one thing I just want to add, uh, and this all serious, uh, as the Three Stooges would say, all seriousness aside, maybe they didn't say that. Somebody else did. But no, seriously, Isaac, I wish you all the best. Uh, You and Robin, the the best on on making uh, Hype Aviation a success. And uh, I I mean, I I look at the website and what the, the work is, that you guys are putting into this. And I go, wow, you, you gotta be a young guy to do this because <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a labor of love for a while. And, uh, hopefully, uh, it, it's going to really, uh, generate some, some great, uh, great returns for you. And we can say we knew you back in the old days when this was <laughs> just starting out. And and Rob, the way I've described the site is is I say that hype aviation is where I get relevant news stories that other aggregators don't publish. Yes. So to me, I find it phenomenally valuable um, just having a different perspective of news and different news stories, and uh, so I'm really enjoying it. Brian, you're you're absolutely right. This is this is different than other other lists. You know of of stories of news items or, or lists of anything. This is really, really well done. The value here is is really high, and I mean I, I'm <laughs> I'm so complimentary of this for no other reason than the fact that this site offers me personally a lot of value, and I think that uh, mm-hmm. uh, those of you listening will many of you will find the same to be true. So for sure, you have to t- take a look at it. Hype Aviation. Dot com. Isaac, any uh, interesting story as to uh, how the name was chosen? Uh, that was all Robin uh, that chose that. And uh, hype and stuff, yeah, it was all him that he came up with. I like it that it's four letters, one uh, one consonant, uh, or one syllable, excuse me, one syllable uh, for it. And then he went, chose uh, he chose aviation because instead of aerospace, which kind of more well, I'm more in for, because aerospace, the origin of aerospace was trying to figure out, it was during this, you know, 1950s space race. What do you call space? Uh, you know, because it was all aviation and stuff. And they came up with the French word arrow, 
uh, for air and then, you know, combine it with space. So that, that was the term aerospace, how that was born. Um, it, you know, it, it, but he's going with aviate the word aviation is uh, Robin was just, you know, going to go with just aviation news. And I said, no, 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 no. They are so intertwined with defense and space. You need to you know, go into the, you know, you need to cover all those three. And now we have the three verticals and stuff for it now. Um, and, uh, I'm hoping to actually, uh, by the end of the year, announce some really good, uh, uh, let's just say some organizations, uh, want to be able to use their, uh, uh want to use our pro- product and stuff in, for their, for their organizations. And, uh, I can't sit really be more, uh, sorry to be that more, that's most general, but, uh, I'm really, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, the website being used for educational purposes, uh, not only just for commercial purposes. And I, I'm just thrilled about that. And I really, really hope I can, uh, uh, you know, come back on the show and stuff, maybe in six months time and be able to announce, uh, kind of the, what that will be entailed. Thank you guys all for your kind words on that. I really appreciate it. You know, for, for podcaster, you know, for content creators, uh, you know, like Max, you've been doing this now for over 14 years, hard to believe and stuff. Sorry, sorry to be that upfront. You know, but I've been listening for you now for you doing this for 14 years. And if I can make, if I can provide a service that makes your job easier, producing a show and stuff I, I've just always you know I've listened to weekly now uh, for so many uh, for over a decade that 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 that's the ultimate compliment I can get uh, uh, for, for doing things that I'm um, I'm on the right path uh, for for uh, providing the service that's that's useful and also I, I want to emphasize too is the daily newsletter we have if you don't want to uh, you know visit the website have a tab open and just refresh it throughout the day uh, you can just sign up for our newsletter it comes out around uh, See, right now we have the time change here still, unfortunately, coming up here in two, was it two weeks time? Uh, so right now it comes out at, at 6 p.m. on the East Coast or 5 p.m. or 3 p.m. on the West Coast. Uh, but that'll change obviously to two and, uh, two and five o'clock here coming the uh, upcoming time change. Uh, coming up here for daylight savings, but uh, uh, we also have it so if that you're if you're in different parts of the world, uh, basically a newsletter comes out every eight hours uh, for it that you can sign up for. So if you're in Europe or in Asia, you can get you can pick more of a convenient time uh, during the uh, UTC you know universal uh, time uh, that you, you can sign up for it. So uh, yeah, we try to make it convenient and as easy and stuff for people to uh, consume the product, and uh, hopefully they find it useful and uh, for their job. Excellent. That's all I can uh, hope for. Excellent. Well done. Well done, Isaac. All right, Isaac. Uh, any uh, anything else? Else closing? Where can folks find you uh, online? Probably Twitter is one of the main uh, main places to find you. Yes, uh, both my business hype aviation. That's just pretty much the feed. Uh, we do post updates and stuff on the site for it, but uh, hype aviation uh, is where we're at. Uh, also, I want to emphasize we're not a we don't just uh, we don't seek out people and stuff to send us you know an email published you know for news. We go out you know we have our our bots and our programming stuff to go go out and search and stuff for things. So that's I want to emphasize and stuff that for that you can contact me and if you don't see your your name or your your you know, company listing stuff on that, uh, you know, I'm happy to privately talk to you, uh, uh, you know, about, you know, what our mission is and stuff for our site and what we do and do not uh, post for stories and stuff for things. But as for finding me, I'm still everywhere, uh, you know, on LinkedIn's, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter at Jet City Star is my uh, moniker name. Very good. Hey, Rob Mark, any closing thoughts from you? Just one that I started with tonight. Go out and vote in a couple of weeks. It really does make a difference. Uh, I know some people don't think it does, but it always makes a difference. So please go out and vote, and we'll uh, see you all again. Well, we won't see anybody, actually. (laughs) We'll just talk to you again. 
Rob, you'll be proud of me. I already put my ballot in the mail today. Hot dog. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. And uh, uh, again, thanks for uh, coming on, Isaac. I know we've been looking forward to this for a long time, and I just didn't realize you were going to wear a pumpkin shirt. <laughs> All right. It's Hall- It's October. It's ha- it's close to Halloween, and stuff, so why not be festive in it, is what I say. That's true. All right. Uh, David Vanderhoof, how about you? Finally, things are quieting down at the museum, but um, we're starting to prep for 2023, which will be a busy year for me. So um, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to maybe doing a UAV Digest show this week. Um, It's been on hiatus longer than Airplane Geeks. Um, And, of course... We are looking forward to doing this again in a couple weeks um, and getting back into a routine. And Brian Coleman. No closing thoughts. I just wanted to say that I'm still being antisocial, kind of. Um, So the best place to get a hold of me is brian at airplanegeeks.com. However, for the journey is the reward, I do have someone managing social media for me. So there is actually a Twitter account now and Instagram and Facebook. And if I only dealt with it myself, I know what it is. But I believe the Twitter account is TJIT reward. So as in the journey is the reward. All right. We'll look for that. And you can find us, of course, at airplanegeeks.com. We have show notes for this episode there. And if you'd like to go to the show notes directly, that's airplanegeeks.com slash 721. You can reach us via email at thegeeks at airplanegeeks.com. Although I will say we're a little behind there, so please be patient. So we'll ask all of you to please join us next time as we talk aviation on the Airplane Geeks podcast. Bye, everybody. Night, everybody. Fly safely. Safe travels. Keep the blue side up. And thanks for listening. <laughs>